Welcome to the Common Briefing Program, part of the Common Geeking Program podcast, where each month we take a look at uh, the, the most important, impactful, or interesting headlines from geek news, and we try to summarize them for you in a, in a journalistic endeavor that has no integrity or sort of direction, but we do it anyway, <laughs> because it's that time of the world where everything is the way it is. And my name is Colin, and I'm hosting this episode. I'm joined by... Uh, Me, Austin, because I made the decision to do that. I'm here <laughs> uh, in the studio, as it were. I'm, I'm touching Austin now. I've violated the six-foot barrier, the force field barrier that the president has erected around each citizen, and I am now touching Austin from across the and studio. And I'm going to put my fingers on all of the microphones. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, unsanitary, but okay. <laughs> we live in an age of unsanitary, in case you hadn't noticed. And who and who is this making such an accusation? Hi, I'm Chowder, or Time Wolf, whichever you prefer. Was I that backwards? that up. Yes. Was that, that was backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, today's, today's census day. Is this, did you finally decide to report your name as Chowder on the census? Oh, man. Yes, first name Clam, last name Chowder. <laughs> Wait, why is census day April 1st? Um, I don't it's, know. It's to trick the illegal immigrants. Oh They'll think God. it's a yeah, joke. The, the, the lawsuit, uh, the, basically all the lawsuits about that citizenship question kind of bungled that, that plan on, you know... Uh, citizen suppression so they're like let's just make it a thing that only white people care about <laughs> which is april fool's day yeah um but that said uh as i'm sure everybody is aware uh we're all inside and in different places which is normal but we get to keep doing that now and everyone says it's okay uh i have been inside for almost three weeks it's been almost three weeks since i got into a car and left my block. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, what's what is the deal with you two? How are you doing? Feeling, living in these funky, funky times. Well, uh, well, uh, I'm kind of stuck at home. My job, uh, uh, my job isn't really giving me hours because of the quarantine. Uh, I'm tr- I'm in the process of asking my manager. Hey, can you give me a few hours? Because I need work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So there's that. Yeah, that's that's about that feel, Austin. Uh, I, I mean, I'm so there are a couple things going on here. Uh, I have been leaving the house relatively regularly to run in the morning because otherwise yes. I would just die. That that's um, about all I've left for is walks and runs. Yeah. Uh, but I'm relatively lucky in that uh my uh reason for which people give me money is just moved on the internet and uh like my partner works at a grocery store so like i mean if there uh, was a way to like transfer a burger through the internet i'm sure my you wouldn't download a pizza i would download like three pizzas i would i had a bit of a, a situation where um i talked about this with laura on uh, the upcoming episode of How You Doing a little bit. Time is funny, but um, I talked about it, and uh, and I ordered a pizza uh, on a on a day or two where I was by myself in the apartment, and the dude was waiting at my door to hand me the pizza. Um, and I just like opened the door and leapt backwards, like, no, you can leave that on the floor. It felt like a bit of a Mexican standoff between me and this guy over the pizza, like, leave the pizza on the floor, kick it over, and walk away with your hands up. And then I just sprayed down the box of the pizza. So I would gladly, 
Uh, I would gladly, gladly download a burger from you, Chowder, if I had the ability, because I don't want someone handing me. And I, I feel like society has kind of caught up to how I live, which is like, don't talk to people, stay at least six feet away from people. If someone tries to get close to you, you can yell at them. So like, I'm kind of in my element and downloading burgers would be the next step for me personally. <laughs> yeah. But as far as my stuff going online goes, is it all just turned bad? Um, is it? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, so technically I'm being paid to uh, be a teaching assistant for a professor who needs help grading things and stuff and, you know, fielding student questions if they want to come to him outside of, uh, you know, class time. Yeah. So, you know, I have to hold off, I or I did have to hold office hours. I'm not really, I can't really go in my office and have students come in there because there are no students around. So mm. that's not a thing. And then as far as the lectures go, he's recorded lectures and he's recording lectures and he puts them on the website. And then he has these discussion boards open for students to like ask questions and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever the, you know, I'll, I'll answer student questions and stuff. Cause he, that's what he told the students we were going to be doing. Um, it's been two weeks. <laughs> no one's done. No one's posted on any of those discussion boards. <laughs> I sincerely doubt that they're listening to the lectures and, for the most part, like, that's understandable. There's probably a lot going on for a lot of students, but, like, no one. There are 80 students in that class. Not, like, one person was like, okay, I'll watch. I don't know. It's Anyway, so that's that's wild. But then also all of my three-hour seminars were put into virtual format, and only one of them seems like it. Well, no, they're all suffering for it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, no. Well, something yeah. that, that I think our, our prolonged time indoors has granted us is perhaps a little more free time to pay attention to the geeky things that, that, that allow us yeah. to stay entertained. So let's shift gears a yeah, little bit. And honestly, a lot of geeky things happened in the month of March, so, you know, yeah. there's that. And you know what? I think it's time to dive in. <laughs> So I'm going to go first. I'm going to talk about two different things. Uh, the first one, uh, Austin, I assume you are only cursorily familiar with. Chowder, I know you are familiar with it. There was a little ditty called Star Trek Picard that just wrapped yeah. up its first season. I don't want to go too in-depth because I'm gonna because right now CBS All Access is giving people a month free. And I'm going to try to oh. bamboozle Jeff into doing a regular <laughs> geeking program about it. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I finished I finished the season two and I really liked what I saw, man. Yeah. Like, Very good. That's I'm but, glad to hear it. Yeah, no, I, like uh, when it's by the time it's getting to the end, I'm like getting all emotional and shit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know that you're kind of like you're a passive Star Trek fan, like yeah. you enjoy it, but you're not it like into it the way yeah. I am. Um, and I'm I'm glad to know that it hit for you. So basically, the story follows Captain Jean Luc Picard, who is a character on TV from 1987 to 93, and he was in movies until 2002. And now they were like, this guy's old as fuck. Let's give him a new TV show, and they did. And it's about yeah. him being old as fuck and kind of being an old curmudgeon and and learning to rediscover what it's like to have passion about things yeah and uh, yeah go ahead uh yeah no like i remember there was some interview where uh, uh sir patrick stewart said that uh what motivated him to uh take the role of picard again was uh hit logan and like him yep. seeing that it can be done right uh and you know that's that the he like uh, the reason he didn't uh, go back to Picard for so long was because he didn't really see a reason to until 
then. So. Yeah. It was like uh, back in the 90s, Leonard Nimoy was approached to be Spock in one of the next-gen movies, and he was like, I'm not showing up for a cameo. Like, call me when you have something to really do with my character. And <laughs> That's and fair. And then he showed up in 2009 when J.J. Abrams was like, I've got a reason for your character to exist. And Patrick Stewart did the same thing. And yeah. I think it I think it worked. I, the series definitely has its ups and downs. And it's it's for people who are used to the formulaic episode of the week um, sort of approach. It, it can be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. But in terms of how Star Trek Picard handles growing this character from a curmudgeonly old man to an inspiring leader... I think that works, and I think the way it builds up the characters along the way really works. Even though some of yeah. the episodes are uneven, it treats its characters with a lot of respect and a lot of integrity. And yeah, uh, I, I love them all after just ten episodes. Yeah, uh, like uh, I respect that. Like, and we've talked about this before. It doesn't just bring back characters just for the nostal- nostalgia value, you know? Like, yeah. Like, there's very little, it's very, not very fanservice. Uh, there, there's some nods and stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. it's not about uh, wallowing in nostalgia. And, yeah. like, if and when it does bring back old characters, there's, like, a point to it. So, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I there was, that. there was, I don't know if you've ever watched Voyager, but Seven of Nine, the character by Jerry Ryan, she is reprising a role from Voyager. Yeah, uh, I, haven't, her, I haven't really watched Voyager, but I do recognize the character. It's, yeah. it's, you don't have to watch Voyager. <laughs> and the um, there was an episode that got a little bit of flack online because it opened us. Oh, and spoiler alert: not that I think you care particularly, but there's a there's a there's a, a, an episode that opens with a cyborg getting his eye ripped out. Yeah, that that and was it, like really. And everyone graphic. was like, "Yeah, everyone was like, that's gruesome as fuck. Why would you do that? I don't know how much you know about this chatter. That was also a character from Voyager. Oh, that was, was like a, a actual." character yes it was and it it was fleeting so like in the mo if you don't have that context i get how graphic it would seem i know that character as a child borg that seven rescued from the collective and mothered oh that's Uh, that's even more fucked up yeah so it's like it it, it's really kind of the impetus for her whole character yeah and 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 i think that speaks to your point like when they bring something back it serves a purpose uh riker and troy reappear from next generation and it could have just been it could could have just been like them all getting back together but that episode was picard being a total asshole and failing at everything and they were basically his parents saying get your shit together what are you doing and it, <laughs> yeah. it and it, it could have been a real um saccharine mess but it turned into constructive conversation and that's what next generation mostly was was constructive conversation and facetime yeah. calls yeah exactly and uh you know like the show that uh star trek picard most reminds me of is batman beyond like old bruce mm. wayne like mm-hmm. like the, like picard mm. and old bruce wayne are actually really similar you know like two very noble characters who uh through age and circumstance have just become uh uh just uh cynical and just uh done with everything in the world but like via through the events of events of that their respective series come to come and uh, be in touch with that noble aspect of their characters again yeah yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's a big part of it. I think a lot of people were complaining at first like this isn't the Picard I know and the writers are like, uh, like yeah, yeah, no, no it's not. That's the point. That's the point and it's it's about rediscovering and, those aspects yeah. and it's handled it's handled well. It yeah, could have been and like the satisfaction and it wasn't. is like by the end Picard becomes the Picard we know and love, man. Yeah. yeah. And and I I think there were some of the episodes there toward the end. Those last two episodes I generally didn't love 
most i thought that like there was a lot of plottiness that got yeah. kind of difficult yeah, to yeah. follow and like, uninteresting it yeah it didn't quite stick the landing perfectly but it was it did still yeah. end well i feel yeah uh, I, I think i think the coda there where the episode those last two episodes really slow down and let these characters speak and explore like those last 25 minutes wrecked me i was so yeah. into that and i think it redeemed uh the poorly paced uh kind of messiness that came before it yeah like uh one thing i didn't like was that uh like i was so compelled with like uh picard and like the rest of his crew that like mm -hmm. every time they cut back to the borg ship to be for narek to be like <laughs> oh you're peculiar yeah, and then just yeah. every single yeah. time, and it's like that, I just that really I just that wanted... really threw off the pacing for the yeah. first several episodes, and that stinks because those characters that they cut to, they're interesting characters. It's just the puzzle it, didn't support it, them. They're they're interesting characters. The problem is like they just kept kind of repeating themselves, and yes. it uh, yeah. Yeah, it uh, felt like it was a reminder. But on the whole, uh, I don't yeah. want to dwell on this too much. On the whole, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, very much as a series. It, with only 10 episodes, it's easy to let the bad stuff stick out, but out of 10 episodes, I didn't like one and a half of them. So, like, I liked 85% of this series. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. Um... I also th think that, like, the fact that we know these new characters very well after 10 episodes uh, should get more credit than it does, because after four seasons of The Next Generation, we didn't know those characters as well as these. Like, they, these... A lot of good progress is done there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited for more. Yeah, I'm curious to see what future seasons do, because, like, this, yeah, this one is... season feels super yeah. final, you know? Like, yeah, like if, it caps if... off everything. If this was it, like it wouldn't break anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good time. Anyways, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and uh, and I'm gonna let this segue into chatter because the internet has made this connection. Uh, I <laughs> I uh, well, actually, I want to. Ooh, I forgot about something. I want to talk about two things really quickly. Uh, the other thing I've been doing while staying in is playing a lot of video games. Two video games mm. have come out this month that I care about a lot. They're not the same two everyone else is talking about. <laughs> the first is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If anyone has ever played Ori in the Blind Forest, it is a 2015 Metroidvania uh, about a little sprightly spirit trying to restore life to his forest. Uh, it's one of, the best, one of the best games I've ever played. It's one of my favorite games. Love it to death. And they made another one. And I was like, that's some good shit right there. Keep making these. And they did. And it's the same character. It's another forest. And it, uh, I watched the Zero Punctuation review because every once in a while his take on things <laughs> is, is very entertaining. Uh, and the similarities between the two games certainly abound. But it's one of those things where, like, I love the first game so much that if you just gave me another version of it, I'd be okay. And Ori and the <laughs> Will of the Wisps uh, expands on it in a lot of really meaningful ways. Um, it, 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 the combat in the first game is rudimentary, and this one adds, like, uh, equipable skill slots that, that turn it into a bit more of a thoughtful action platformer. On top of that, it is, the, the, the scope of this game is much larger. It is absolutely gorgeous. It, in, as a Metroidvania, it learned a lot from Hollow Knight, 
which to me, I'm a little mixed on. Uh, I think Hollow Knight is a great game. I didn't finish it because I was, I, I personally wasn't enjoying it as much as a lot of people You really do. should, though. I yeah, really should. Yeah, Hollow Knight's really good, but I I get it. Like, I, I know that, like, by the end of Hollow Knight, or uh, approaching the end of Hollow Knight, I'm just like, can it just be over? Can I just end yeah, this already? It, it's, it's a, it, it drags on a little too long. Like, yeah. where, where there was an end point, and then it, there was like, wait, no, there's one more thing. And I'm like, okay, one more thing. Yeah. And then I get to that, and then it's like, wait, no, one more thing. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, I got other things was, to do. The game itself great. is first... really good. At first, yeah. I was like, man, I really like this more hardcore Metroidvania. I did get that little bit too much of a good thing. Also, for me, part of the reason I like Metroidvania is, like, time to go and explore everything and clear out all the corners of my map. And I felt like Hollow Knight really, like a Souls game does, is very punishing with its exploration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, to me, is just counter to why I play those games. So, But that said, the systems that, that uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps shamelessly lifts from Hollow Knight, I think, work well. Because, again, Hollow Knight is a very good game. Um, though I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh man, I know how these systems work. So there wasn't quite as much discovery. Um, uh. but that said, the game is stunningly gorgeous. The music is wonderful. The gameplay is so tight and fluid. I don't like it. It, it is a best in class platformer in terms of how responsive its controls are. And, nice. um, and it will, it made me very emotional. It made me very uh, very moved. I won't say sad. I will say moved. Um, especially given the context of the first game, the storytelling is sparse. It's the, the games are just kind of like, here's the world. Here's a bunch of owls. Please cry at our owls. Our owls are sad. And I was like, I'm, these are some fucking sad owls. And they continue that motif in this, which game. also sounds like hollow Knight. to be fair. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hollow Knight has doesn't really have owls, just bugs. bugs. No, no, but it's like bugs instead of owls. Yeah, yeah please look at our sad bugs. But yeah. um <laughs> but I I I it's it's hard to I think explain any Metroidvania succinctly because they're mm -hmm. kind of sprawling and interconnected by nature. Especially like Metroidvanias that may take a bit of influence from Dark Souls. Like it sounds yeah, like yeah. Ori and the Blind Forest takes some stuff from Hollow Knight, which took some stuff from Ho Dark Souls. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that said, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is less punishing than the first. The first was pretty difficult. This one is a little easier to sink your teeth into. Um, I loved every second of it. There are a couple bugs that I'm waiting for a patch to fix, and once they do, I'm going to rip through that game like two or three more times. Um, it's on Game Pass, <laughs> on Xbox Game Pass, so if you have that for PC or for uh, Xbox, you can just sign up for that and play it and cancel your subscription. I don't care. It's an amazing game. <laughs> um, last thing I want to talk about, Doom to Doom, Doom, Doom Eternal came out. Uh, and oh, basically it took me uh, a while to, to really sink my teeth into Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And then when that was done, Doom Eternal came out and I was like, cool, a first person single player shooter campaign. I'll blow through this in a day. That game's long. It took me three days of pretty constant play uh, to <laughs> blow through that piece of shit. And it's a great piece of shit. Um, I, I, it's <laughs> unlike something like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, where I think like it's a cute side-scrolling platformer. Anybody can jump in and play. I think if you want to play Doom, and this shouldn't be a surprise because it's Doom, you gotta like shooters. You have to enjoy that the concept of the game is shooting things real good and not dying, so you can keep shooting things real good. Um, it expands the platforming, it expands the story, and it feels twice as long as the 2016 Doom, to which this is a sequel. 
Um, and it is just a hilariously disgusting, bloody, gory game. And I think hey, didn't they add a sword? They did add a sword. Spoiler alert: it you don't have it for most of the game. And uh, here, here they took a lesson from from Destiny, and they were like, you know what swords? You know what swords need? Ammunition. <laughs> Limited ability to use the sword. But that said, the sword is like an instant kill for even the most powerful enemies. So it's it's very much that end of game. Like, all right, have fun, go play. We don't care anymore. Just destroy everything. Yeah. Um, but like Orion, the Will of the Wisps, it's one of those games where it just, it knows exactly what it wants to be, and it is so tightly focused at being great at those things. And it, it, this game doesn't really care about anything else. It has pages of lore for you to read if you care about the story, but if you don't, it's just like, go kill those things, please. And that's, that's basically the extent of the story in a lot of places, please go kill those things. And I will happily oblige. It is, if, if you play the first 10 minutes of doom eternal and you enjoy the ballet dance of jumping around and shooting guns and just like the gameplay loop of shoot kill to get your health chainsaw to get your ammo it's just like it's it's a cycle of things you do and if you enjoy that little 10 second gameplay loop at all um it it never lets you down and it's it's (laughs) it's very good doom eternal is a ton of fun if you like fast first person shooters um But I think that's about all I got. Picard, Ori, and Doom Eternal sort of dominated the geek news of my month. And here I'll pass it on to Chowder, because on the uh, same day Doom Eternal came out, something else happened. (laughs) Ah, yes. Well, you see, the other game is Animal Crossing New Horizons, and I've been getting a lot of uh, joy out of that game it's uh uh for those who don't know animal crossing is just like a life sim kind of game where uh you end up Except in a town it- town full of villagers and you are in debt to a, a raccoon not raccoon tanuki he uh <laughs> you owe money to him and he will break your kneecaps uh I, oh wow i was about to say i, I think it's critical to nice. note that this is a simulation of life before march 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and now it is just the replacement for life yeah it's hey remember when this was life <laughs> no but like uh the gimmick for animal crossing new Hora- not new horizons is that uh you are on you are on a desert island nook has kind of like uh, uh brought you onto this island so that like we can uh you you guys can like uh, uh build this island up into like an actual place where people can live and visit and stuff mm-hmm. uh, you know so you gradually like collect up uh or get more and more villagers can uh, uh open up stuff like museums and shops and uh and like it's hard to describe animal crossing because uh when you describe it it sounds like a lot of just doing chores and it kind of is and yet you <laughs> can't derive enjoyment from those chores for some reason like i mean that's games every like, well yeah <laughs> well here's the thing in real life when you do chores you are faced with a moment of satisfaction and then the realization that you need to do that chore again 10 minutes later, and that's just what life is forever. Uh, (laughs) And in video games, I think the reward system, because there aren't finite resources, is a little more positively reinforcing you. Yeah, Animal Crossing is more reinforcing because, uh, yeah, it's just like your, your busy work has tangible consequences and when i say consequences i don't mean uh <laughs> press the button or everyone dies but more just you get tang- to work hard you, you <laughs> get, see results you get, you get to see results yeah exactly 
Uh, so some, some uh, stuff I've oh man that's not what our island can do for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> no some stuff I've been particularly enjoying about Animal Crossing I really like the museum like mm-hmm. it's the museum has appeared in past games but here they just really go all out and make this museum really uh, fancy, fancy and stuff like all the fossils you'll collect over the game and donate to Blathers the owl who runs the museum uh, you can actually go and visit uh, all that and you know like you'll like uh, contribute multiple t-rex fossils and like you can see a giant ass t-rex and go under it and it's awesome uh (laughs) you know all the fish you get for the aquarium you can like visit and visit in the giant fish tanks and these are like super intricate uh like it looks like an actual big ass museum and it's nice uh, and, uh, the other thing is, like, the shirt creator, like, you can, like, design your own shirt. I saw you tweet ha- about this today. Like, yes. you were really happy about the shirt thing. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? He had shirts. I, I, yeah, no, <laughs> I can, like, I can design my own shirts, and it's awesome. Like, if you've seen some of the stuff people have created, it's, like, ridiculous, you know? Uh, uh important question, how strong is Nintendo's censorship of this free shirt creation process because I, I can see a lot of abuse. I am not sure, honestly. It's Especially because Cro- people have been getting very creative with those. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Chowder, I have never played an Animal Crossing game. I've also never played like Stardew Valley. A lot of these life simulators have kind of passed me by, but I understand that the thing that keeps you coming back with Doom, it's you get to decapitate a person every five seconds, and that's the gameplay loop. And the gameplay loop here uh, seems to be based on the fact that like y- people you, really you care can actually about the stuff they do, yeah, and the people yeah. that they control, like exactly, you know? like you get actually pretty attached to the villagers, even if they are like so, very sim- simplistic. Because I don't know, it's adorable, like the. The art design is just adorable as fuck. And, like, you'll even see, like, a little, like, uh, plush kind of texture on all the characters that they haven't been able to do before, which is neat. So, can you tell me a little bit about the world to which you are attached? Because I am lacking any sort of emotional context for the value of this game. Well, <laughs> let's see. Uh, we start off with uh, two villagers. Uh, and I say we because me and my sister share the same island. Uh, uh, one is, like, a horse named... Uh, Rayla, uh, she she is like this uh, a horse with a southern accent who uh, is super into fashion. We got this jock frog who is like super into fucking working out and getting buff. Like he he will never <laughs> shut up about like working out. And it's it's a frog. He's just got like a giant head and a tiny body. <laughs> Are they all anthropomorphic, I'm assuming? All anthropomorphic, yes. Okay. Um, like, he has no muscles. This is the Animal Crossing style. He's just super it's, into it's, working it's out. It's just a little Nintendo me with a frog head that lifts like crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, amazing. Over time, we uh, got three more villagers. Uh, one is like this reindeer we met on Infinite Tarantula Island, which is this island that spawns what? nonstop tarantulas. Why? So, Why? Time Wool, I've heard from a number of my friends who have the game about their score, their record against the tarantulas. What? Uh, how have you found the tarantulas? What? The tarantulas are terrifying, my friend. Okay, so one of the few loose states <laughs> in this goddamn game is getting attacked by a tarantula. And, like... Ah. The, and the... <laughs> 
And, and like the thing is, they run really fast, and they can completely catch you off guard if you're not like paying attention to your setting or to to like your surroundings. But like, and like, uh, there is this one particular island that spawns infinite tarantulas, which is terrifying. But also, tarantulas tarantulas are worth a lot of money. So you kind of just jump into the middle of this arena full of tarantulas. And you're just like slowly approaching them uh, and catching all of them. It's hilarious. And we met this one reindeer dude who is a fucking weirdo because he's like super into insects. And he, and by some hilarious Ah! coincidence, and by some hilarious coincidence, he was on Tarantula Island. And I'm like 90% certain he was there for the tarantulas. Well, he doesn't know what an insect is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, hold on. So in Animal Crossing, all the creatures are animals, right? Yes, except for you. You're human. Same as real life. Oh, actually. cool. <laughs> <laughs> all of the fair, creatures are animals. Fair point. Um, yeah, okay. you know, I owe money to my local raccoon, so okay. in real life. So all the creatures are non-homo sapien animals with the exception of the player character. Yeah. Um. Not to sort of throw the ethics of this game into a spiral. Tarantulas are animals. I mean, sure, so are humans. Yes, but, like, it seems like within the village, like, I'm assuming there's some sort of tacit agreement, like, hey, don't eat the other animals, please. Don't no, kill th- them and sell them. Colin, this is not Beastars, okay? I, I I know nothing of Beastars, so I'm afraid I can't bring that bias to the program. But <laughs> not I, yet. But you know what? You know what? That is a good that is a good segue, because that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Beastars. Uh the first season has Also time out. That's not a segue. You brought up Beastars. Yeah, you brought you slapped me good... in the face with your goddamn Beastars and said, This is what we're talking about now, bitch. Wait. <laughs> but no, continue. Sorry. Yeah, now no. That first now that first season of B Stars is on Netflix. Yeah, quite awesome. And, I want to hear about B Stars. And it's uh re- really interesting. You know, like you know, like this. It the main conceit is that it takes place in this. It's it's a bit like R-rated Zootopia. Like it's a world full of like anthropom- anthropomorphic people, like animal like the animal people. Comic? Huh? The Zootopia. Co- like the like the fan. No, 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 no. We're not going comic. there. Fuck you, Austin. No. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, but... I'm noticing a, a through line chatter. We should look at your last couple episodes. What's <laughs> no. the last thing you talked about that wasn't about anthropomorphized animals? <laughs> like, tell me the rest about Beast Stars. Yes, but I, like, where does the buck stop? Uh, sad truth is, I actually have one more furry shit <laughs> before we get to stuff that is furry make? shit. Oh God, chatter with the hat trick. All right, tell me more about Beast Stars. Okay, so like, it gets, uh, so like, it opens with like, a student getting, uh, murdered and presumably, and, ex- and being eaten, so, and like, that is like the central mystery R. of the show, uh, is like, who's going around eating people, uh, and like, you know, there's all this tension between carnivores and herbivores, because, uh, carnivores, uh, can't seem to stop needing to eat people, uh, and like, our main character is Lugosi, who is like a wolf, and he is pursuing a relationship with this rabbit named Haru, but Lugosi is a wolf, and thus has instincts, predatory instincts, and I mean literal predator, not like, so. Yeah, um, there, there's I, a lot of, no, we, we, mm. I think we got that from the, the first scene of the show being someone 
uh, getting murdered and eaten. Yep. Right? Yep. That's what you said it was? Yeah. No, this show is... I'm trying to imagine, like, you know, coming to CBS this fall, another white person sitcom where one of the people in the relationship wants to eat the other one, and they both know it. Oh, God. That's just, like, like, half of the episodes of Seinfeld. (laughs) Colin, it gets fucking... It gets fucking weirder. Like there's a uh, one part where like this uh, uh, dear dear guy like uh, slams Lugosi to the wall and like demands that he eat him, and it's like, what am I watching? God, I feel like that's relatable if we were furries in a high school. You know, high school's not a great time for many people, and sometimes you just got to be like, okay, I know a lot of people with very sharp teeth. There's there's like a bl- I don't want to end it. <laughs> So I'll ask my good friend. Yeah, no, it's full of weird shit like that. And it's like, this is a very fascinating show. And like, it's doing a lot of interesting stuff, but it is also just like very much uncomfortable to watch it at the same time. So that's Beastars for you. Sounds Uh, like, yeah. The next one I want to talk about. Not the last, the next. <laughs> it, it's the last one. For, for this episode. <laughs> oh god, why do I... <laughs> Viewers. <laughs> oh, there's time for redemption. You can continue, though. Anyways, the next one, uh, the first six episodes of BNA, Brand New Animal, has been released. It's made by Studio Trigger, who you may know for uh, Promare, Kill a Kill... Uh, a little witch academia. Uh, it's about this uh, girl who who was human, but one day became like a tanuki girl, and no, and she doesn't know why. So she goes to this city full of like uh, uh, small anthropomorphic animals, gives them loans, and breaks their kneecaps if they. Oh, this is not Animal Crossing. So no. wait, are you telling me? So these. So I don't know what you're talking about. And what you're talking about and my opinion of it will change based on how you answer the following question. When you say the main character turns into a tanuki girl, does this mean that she turns into like an anthropomorphized animal, like an Animal Crossing or in Beastars? Do you mean that she gets a tail and some ears? Or do you mean that she just turns into a raccoon? Uh, anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized, so tail and ears, but also her, she has, like, fur and stuff on her. So, So, okay, so this is, so, like, just for the record, um, <laughs> like on, on the scale of Animal Crossing, of the show Beastar- would have been at the highest if she just turned into a raccoon. Yeah, and it would have been at the lowest <laughs> if they just gave her ears and a tail. Well, so, <laughs> anyway, is she meets like this. Uh, <laughs> she meets. She meets like this private investigator, or who is like this wolf dude, and uh, and uh, base and basically the show is just about her trying to figure out what the hell is going on with her and uh, encumbering like a great, great bigger mystery. Uh, it's it's a studio trigger show, so it's like really uh, well animated, uh, a lot of awesome action, a lot of uh, good comedy. Uh, studio trigger knows how to make things funny, cute cool all at the same time and uh, brand and raccoons animals. they do know how to make things raccoons they do know how to make things raccoons yes well no actually there, there's like actually a running joke where the main character or keeps saying uh claiming she's a raccoon someone points out you look more like a tanuki and she's like yeah but i don't like tanukis and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah um 
I mean, I, just to interrogate, because I, I really like Austin's, you know, scale of raccoon features to full <laughs> raccoon as like a determination of quality. I, I appreciate that. Chowder, do you think the show would have been improved if it was the fully animated show, but you took a raccoon on a green screen and just put it, superimposed oh it over the main character? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like really, really put a raccoon through the ringer in terms of just, like, recording every possible movement and giving a bored editor, now that we have the time, the ability to make Austin's dream of high-quality entertainment come to fruition. Honestly, I'm with you on that. I, I actually, yeah, that's the that's the kind of shit I could really get behind right now with what I'm doing with my spare time. We need that kind of bold artistic vision in <laughs> okay. animation today. Yeah, but like, okay, so animulsion. That's animal animal. Let, so let's let's move nope. away from. I didn't like it. So let's move away from that and talk about <laughs> something that is it. About animals. Uh, so oh, Combo Breaker? Combo Breaker, yes. Thank God. So uh, recently it's been announced that uh, they're making something called Retro Crush, which is like an anime streaming service, mm. but it's for classic animes. So like classic movies, classic ah, yes. uh, series from like a... Uh, from like the eighties, the nineties, the seven, the the eighties, the nineties, the seventies, just uh, old like old stuff that uh, you from like back in the day before like everything mm-hmm. was like put on the internet. So, it's, so it's that's like, really cool. It's like Boomerang, but for anime. Instead of all the Scooby Doo's, it's the whatever animes existed thirty years ago. Because I don't. Yeah, know. you know your Go Go Thirteens, your Fist of the North Stars. That's stuff what like I was that. gonna say. Fuck <laughs> yep, Fist of the North Star. <laughs> Austin coming in hot with raccoons and Fist of the North Stars. You um, a shock. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, with uh, that chatter, I'm glad that I, you. Oh. I do have one more thing. No, it's, yeah, he's, uh, please. And uh, <clears throat> as for tradition, let's talk about a Kickstarter that interests me. Okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh. This Kickstarter is called A Taste of Home, a cooking anthology. It is an anthology comic about cooking. Who'd have thought? What? Anyways, it's it features like uh, <laughs> several different art. <laughs> it's features several different artists, and uh, it's just got like really good artwork. Uh, it's uh, still got like 27 days to go when this is being recorded. So mm-hmm. Friday, that'd be like 25 days to go at when this episode is posted clarifying question is this a graphic novel or comic series about stories about people cooking or is this a graphic novel cookbook it is not a cookbook it is about stories about cooking feel like this doesn't le- le- really live up to the artistic vision that Austin has set <laughs> for creativity. But you know what? I think those are the kinds of stories that we need to hear right now. What's it called again? Uh, a Taste of Home, a cooking anthology. Uh, right now, it is, uh, they're asking for $6,000. They have 45 or 4500 Whoa! They blew past their goal! I was like, yeah, that's... <laughs> no, no, like, no, 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 no. really not, good! Not sequels. No, no, not 45000 4500 <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, so they're well on their way to meeting their goal, but... You know, if you want that PDF, if you want that book, you know, go go over there and pledge. It'll it it looks really good. I'm I'm liking it. So very nice. Cool. Well, Chatter, thank you for uh, at first meeting and then falling short of your animalistic expectations. We are now going to pivot uh, to Austin. What news are you bringing to the table? I have a couple morsels 
of news. Um, there's been a lot going on. Oh, has so there? anyway, I'm going to start with what I'm going to keep doing for uh, as long as I can until they actually give us some fucking news. Uh, <laughs> Elden Ring. You know what they oh, told yeah. us about Elden Ring in March? They have a composer. Who'd have thought it's the <laughs> same? The same one. Uh, sorry, uh, Yuka Kitamura, who worked on uh, Dark Souls 2, 3, and Bloodborne, and Sekiro, Sekiro. actually, am I? Yeah, no, yeah, and Sekiro. Just like, oh yeah, it works, it's great, good fucking piece of news. You're working yeah. with the same person who you have a great relationship and who's made great music for you, excellent. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, on the one hand, I, I guess that is good news, but it doesn't seem it's, newsworthy. It's like, such. hey, Tim Burton is making a movie with Johnny Depp and or Helena Bottom Carter. Let's be surprised. Mind-blowing. Anyway, so yeah, that's a thing. Uh, From Software still is just trying to kill me slowly. Um <laughs> Uh, but then there are a couple of other little things. Um, so, uh, did we talk about have? So this is this is a question. Is it? Uh, well, no, it's not. We couldn't have. This was just this was just fucking last week. Okay. Uh, so uh, Nintendo had a direct recently. Um, yeah, like out of the blue, us, like nobody saw it coming. Yeah, no, no pomp and circumstance. Just a hey, look, have some content. We know you're all at home watching your screen all day. You'll <laughs> yeah. see it. Yeah, like um, I woke up, I woke up one morning. Look at Twitter. People are like talking about the Nintendo Direct. I'm like, what the fuck? And there it is, a whole ass Nintendo Direct. Nintendo's yeah, so, um, whole ass. Yeah, you can go watch that for yourself if you want, <laughs> but I just have a couple things that I thought were of note to me from it. So, um, one, there's they're adding uh, a fighter to uh, Super Smash Brothers, and we already knew that they were adding more fighters because they have the fucking new fighter pass thing. You can, they're gonna make. Uh, six more fighters for uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, however, this one came kind of out of left field for people, and it probably means something. Yeah. Trademarked. Um, <laughs> so the new fighter for Super Smash Bros. is uh, wasn't actually announced. So they, they told us that it's going to be from ARMS. Yeah, and that's the surprising part, like, because... Uh, by at that point, everyone had just thought, "Oh, I guess Nintendo's done with arms," you know. And it didn't do that well. And then Nintendo just comes in like, "Hey, there's gonna be an online tournament. You, we're gonna put out a free demo so that like you can play arms until April something uh, for free and, and new character be for Super arms." Smash Bros. Character and uh, hmm. yeah, and it's like, uh, but they along with this, they've said that um. This character is so. I think. Uh, I think some of the recent worldly troubles have changed some things at Nintendo, and this character is supposed to be coming out in June. Um, and they said that it's because, uh, you know, it, for people who aren't familiar with the hit game for the Nintendo Switch gaming system, Arms. I mean, it was a hit. It sold like two million copies, which is good for a new IP and a fighting game. So yeah, it's true. Right, but I. But I think a thing that that had to do with was that it was, at the time, one of the few games that was actually just for Nintendo Switch. So if yeah. you had a Switch, you were like, I'm going to get this game so that it's worth it. But I don't know. That's a, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I, but I like even, that, even like, then, like ARMS has managed to retain a small but dedicated following. So yeah. you know what? I'm happy yeah, for you, They're Arms. obviously trying to grow that with yeah, this. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm happy for you, ARMS fans, all right? I'm happy for <laughs> all 12 of you, all right? <laughs> yeah. There uh, are dozens anyway. of us. Dozens. Exactly. It's it's the same. Okay. Um. 
But anyway, uh, I mean, personally, I'm, me, I'm, I'm here to say, give me that Lil Mac with Belmont hitboxes, all right? I hate that idea, though. Oh, would, not... would you rather return a Melee Marth, my friend? That's These are not our two options. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so it looks like uh, they're they're either trying to grow the arms base or they might, uh, I mean, they might try to uh, be advertising for a new a sequel or something that's coming out. Maybe. You know, there's a lot of speculation flying around, but it's going to be at least one of the characters from arms. There is the possibility that... Uh, it's like know, a new be... character to who the front the face of like whatever arms two game they're make they might be yeah, banking. Yeah. I mean even if there are no ambitions for a sequel or if it underperformed or whatever its reputation is, I mean like it's it's a free thing for them to do. It's like this adds diversity to our roster and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't cost us anything to do this. There's no licensing involved. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more mining of it, especially because arms yeah. is it is a fighting game. There's not much translation you have to do yeah. there. Well, See, that's what seems odd to me about it is that I would have expected them to include a character from ARMS in the base game if they were going to do it. Yeah. And so it seems like a surprise now. Or at least like Fighters Pack 1, like they did with Byleth. But yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be right. interesting. Uh, my personal prediction, yeah, I mean, it'll... I'm going to say it's probably... Ming Ming, uh, or Min Min. I don't know who, what the character's name is, but like, hey Austin, can I talk to you over she, here for a second? Uh, she is, con- yeah, please. Hey Austin, what? uh, what? Austin, how much what? do you know about the uh, about the arms roster? Because I feel like we're about to get really deep into something I don't know a lot about. Oh no, I've played it like twice. Uh, Same. I I, I don't. I've only played it twice. Stuff, I'll too. understand it. Oh, <laughs> look, this is. The, I don't have a let, lot to let, say let, other let's than not this go character into is the well of Chowder's immense arms knowledge. <laughs> that's my prediction min min okay i'm done that's really all i had to say <laughs> okay good to know uh i don't know i'm still not convinced that they're not just gonna make it uh the ribbon girl but um anywho or they might do like a freaking bowser, bowser jr, jr. Thing. type of thing yeah. where you can like switch like, it yeah switch the aesthetic. yeah yeah which would only work for like a segment of the roster but yeah. you know yeah that's something that makes sense um anywho uh then another recent Oh, sorry. As also part of the direct is um, they in, they gave us some more information about uh, the upcoming uh, expansions for the new Pokemon game. Your your starter Pokemon can get a Gigantamax form, and they all get attacks that don't care about people's uh, abilities and stuff. So there's an ability in the game, Colin, called Mold Breaker, mm-hmm. which is like we can attack regardless of an abilities. Uh, Pokemon that have Mold Breaker. Mm -hmm. And so an example of abilities that it would ignore would be like if a Pokemon has the ability called Levitate, which means that it can't be hit by ground-type moves. Suddenly you can hit a Levitating Pokemon with ground-type moves. Or my Mm. favorite, the best Pokemon in the world, Shedinja, with the ability Wonder Guard, which is not to be affected by any attacks that are uh, not super effective against it because it only has one HP. It just ignores that, and all of the starter Pokemon can kill Shedinja, and now all my dreams of having a team that is competitive <laughs> and based around Shedinja are just null and void. Aww. I'll be stuck in the low tiers forever in VGC. Anyway, so Colin uh, didn't understand a word you just said. I I did. I'm not going to remember any of the proper nouns, but I did follow the structure pretty closely. <laughs> 
Thank God. Um, so that's a thing. That's like, uh, and then, oh yeah, they told us that the, you know, the Pokemon that you're going to be getting in the Isle of Armor, it gives you a little Kung Fu Panda there, Colin, that you get to train into a larger Kung Fu Panda, which is weird because they already have kind of a Kung Fu Panda Pokemon. Well, I don't think it's a panda. I think it's like... Austin, we are veering very closely uh, back into anthropomorphic animals territory. We need to, we need more, to be careful uh, around Chowder. <laughs> I'm just, I want to... I swear I'm not a furry. <laughs> okay, but... So, I'm t- sorry, everyone who's listening at home, unless this gets edited out, but I am just gonna, like, put these two images into the chat here. So what? I, I'm afraid of the images you are about to, to put. Listen, I, I think you're overestimating how much editing work I put into this show now. Um, okay. Let's let's take a look at this. If um, Is this Greninja or is this the Kung Fu Panda? This is, so, the fact... I'm Shitinja. confused as to why you thought... Oh, no, no. This is the Kung Fu, the Kung Fu Panda. Shitinja is a Pokemon that's based off of the discarded husk of a Cicada. Why does it sound so much like Greninja? Because They're um, both the Cicada ninjas. is also kind of a ninja obviously do does pokemon treat the word ninja as a suffix uh uh i guess they do boston it's really they Kia just Sorrento do a ninja type stuff is the thing look it's, it's a not... lot of, a lot of these names are just portmanteaus of like whatever this is it is yeah um but anyway see this 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 kung fu panda i sure do pokemon that you get it it tells you how um, when, how you can, like, uh, the, one of the things they advertised it, about it before was that you're going to be able to evolve it into one of two forms. And yes. I think a lot of us assumed that that was going to be, like, locked to your game, whichever form you got. Uh-huh. Which is, the form, it looks almost the same, except that, like, m- most significantly, they are, uh, they're standing in different stances, like they do a different martial art, which is, like, you know, kind of cool if you're gonna mm-hmm. do a martial arts pokemon that evolves um but anyway then in this in this uh thing they told us that uh you get to decide which one it turns into which will change like some of the moves that it learns apparently uh by doing like these different challenges in the huge martial arts community that i guess exists in the isle of armor um so that's a thing that's a nice flavor some fun little details for people who play pokemon uh so next another little tidbit uh this is Hmm. Well, okay. Uh, Austin hates whatever he's about to say. Well, I, so the thing is, I want, so what, the reason I said that that way, because I was about to say our friends over at Blizzard have done some stuff. Uh, And I was like, what kind of malarkey are they up to now? Um, well, actually, so they're doing something that I think is very good for one of their IPs, which I guess is like two of their IPs. Um, so Hearthstone is getting an expansion uh, very soon. It's coming mm. out next week, I think, or later this week. I don't know how things work. Cool. Um, uh, called uh, <clears throat> The Adventures of Outland or something. Am I? I was never a huge WoW person, uh, which is to say I never had a subscription to WoW at all. Ashes of Outland. That makes more sense because it's all about demons, I guess. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, anyway, the but the you know they were significant in the storyline that had to do with the actual WoW thing that happened when they added Outland or added the expansion for it. Whatever. Anyway, so um, in this expansion, <laughs> they're adding a new uh, character class to the game. So like, there's a new kind of deck that you that you're going to be able to play, the Demon Hunter. Um, which uh, looks like it'll be interesting. It's based that, that's on that's a from, yeah, that's a class in Diablo. It's very different in WoW. 
Uh, uh, because when your your Diablo demon hunter Colin is based on uh like your Van Helsing mm-hmm. archetype of like killing demons and vampires and sure stuff. Uh, this one's more like like your your emo kids emo priest gotcha. original character, which I'll explain more. Oh, um, there's yep. a character in WoW. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Illidan Stormrage. So that's a start. The character Ill- Illidan Stormrage is the mm-hmm. character's name. Uh who is of course the the character who you get to play as if you're playing the Demon Hunter class. Gotcha. Um but this character looks uh I'm not actually familiar with his race, so if I'm wrong about this, like I don't care, but he looks like one of the WoW Night Elves, except that he also looks a lot like a demon. He's got big bat wings and like scales and horns and claws and stuff. And so I I are you picking up like the, So so he's not a hunter the... of demons, he is just a hunter who is oh, a no, demon. Um uh, uh, th- it- my understanding is that at the so my understanding based on like vague osmosis information that I've gathered from the internet about this is that like he started out as someone who's trying to hunt demons but then he like turned evil which he maybe he did I don't know so, so really matter, what we have here is all, isn't concerned with canon stuff what so. we have here is a <clears throat> hunter who is a demon who is a hunter of demons yeah and uses demons maybe to hunt them I don't know either way there's hunting involved and there are demons involved and that's really all I can say confidently. But I was going to talk more about like the gameplay environment and stuff because I like card games generally. Uh, Wink. So the uh, the Demon Hunter does some some fun stuff mechanically that's different. Uh, although I don't know, it looks like it'll be at the very least a competitive class upon release because they've told us like about uh, most of, if not all, of the cards that the class gets for itself. Um, and so it it has a it's it's distinct from all of the other classes in that it's little personalized ability the hero power only costs one mana instead of two so it's much easier for people to weave it in and out of their uh mm-hmm. their plays each turn and what it does is it gives the guy some claws to attack with it gets plus one attack per turn and you know you've got 30 health so if you get 30 of those off you just kill somebody but that's not really how the game is played <laughs> um so it, the the way that it looks is that it's it's like an aggressive class that will be in, involved in the attacks, unlike say a uh, mage or priest or warlock who sort of sit there and let their minions and spells do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like it's going to it in it sort of incorporates some stuff that you get from the warlock with all of the demon shit and like in sacrificing your minions to get powerful effects and stuff and uh, the general the vibe of. The dealing with demons is there for the flavor, um, which you know looks cool. Whatever, I the demons are fun, uh, and uh, another aggressive class is cool because I, you know, whatever. That's that's fine. Um, and but it, it also looks like it'll be really powerful because they're giving it um, its personal keyword for like abilities that its cards have mm-hmm. uh which no other class has this yeah i think yeah keywords are um, usually like just pretty broad mechanics yeah. and like i mean so obviously you'll find some keywords that are attached more to certain classes than others yeah. you have you definitely have more death rattle in priest than you have in mage you have more spell damage increases in mage than you have in warrior uh 
you know, Hunter likes to search for a lot of minions a lot more than a lot of other classes do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one has its own ability. The Demon Hunter gets out outcast, which is weird. Um, and it seems like it could be really broken in some cases, especially considering some of the cards that have it and outcast. what it means for them. Oh my god, it's that really is just right? an emo kids real OC. Emo, emo vibes. Here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the outcast mechanic is that the. The card that has, or well, the it, it's some word. it summons Andre three thousand. He sings, "Hey, uh. no, um, all right, 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 all right." This is gonna okay. be so fun to edit. Okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry for you. Uh, <laughs> but the cards with the outcast mechanic get to have an extra effect when you play them from one of the edges of your hand, like if it's the last card or the first card in your hand, and you play it because as a digital card card game you cannot shuffle around the cards in your hand like you can in real life so this is like fine because you can't cheat with it sure um but some of the effects seem really powerful and i don't want to get into all the details but it's like it's got its own mechanic that makes it play its own cards more easily and i'm i'm a little wary of that but maybe they balanced it fine and everything's good um which brings me to another thing they recently made a lot of changes to priest uh just like a couple weeks ago they they made a lot of some nerfs and some buffs to Priest, which I think are probably in preparation for the release of the Demon Hunter because it's going to be such an aggressive class. They reduced the cost of a lot of the Priest's, like, controlling cards that, like, kill a minions and help you stall out the game for a while. So it it this just tells me that I think they've thought a lot about how uh, the Demon Hunter is going to impact the meta, or maybe they just thought they should throw the priest a bone. But like you know, <laughs> it, it looks like it'll it'll shake things up a little bit. It's cool to have another aggressive class, and I'm glad because uh, the priest is class that I play the most anyway, and yeah. I'm really glad that they like halved the cost of some of the cards that I feel like I have to include in decks. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. Uh, then in the last little tidbit here I have is about, uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, I- Hard pivot from Hearthstone to Magic. Uh, well, I think it's a much more quality pivot in my personal opinion. Yeah, that was the Um, joke. They're extraordinarily similar. expensive one. Um, (laughs) but, uh, well, no, so this one isn't so much like, I guess, geek news in particular, but, um- How is it not? (sighs) Okay, I guess I'll wait to see. Well, yeah, because so uh, this isn't I'm not going to be talking about like they have an upcoming uh, an upcoming uh, set that's going to be released relatively soon. But they haven't like started releasing spoilers and stuff for it yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to really go there. Uh, Looks like fun, but that's that's games for you. Um, but they've been doing, so Wizards of the Coast has been doing some, uh, things that I've found really interesting with regards to, like, uh, how businesses that can afford to should be responding to, uh, the, all the fucking coronavirus wild shit that's going on. So, um, because Magic is a social game and you have to play with other people, seems like the sort of thing that would, uh, suffer a lot. Especially since uh, people be touching them cards. Yeah, people be touching them cards. And sometimes you got to touch your opponent's cards. And oh, God, that's all too intimate for these times. Um, But they're doing a lot of cool stuff in terms of like allowing their. So normally they have very strict rules about when uh, game stores can start selling products and like how, how they have to hold events and stuff. But they're relaxing a lot of these to let people like, you know, uh, not die. 
um, which, it, you know, shouldn't be impressive, but it's just like, oh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, this large company seems to be not bent on killing everyone. They're not oh, like yeah, how like GameStop, GameStop said, uh, yep, hey, people are playing age. games, so we're we are an essential business, please. Yeah. Yeah. We're an essential business. So, also, all of my employees have to buy their own sanitary shit and clean down the store. But also, we're not going to give people more hours so that anyone has time to do that. Yeah. Just fuck you guys and your customers. Yeah. Anyway, yeah I don't know. It's GameStop like, is dying. But yeah, GameStop's been dying. This is going to be their death knell because they won't. Because uh, it, It's yeah, the first they, recorded instance of, the com- of a company being infected with the virus. <laughs> Wild. What? Well, I mean, I mean, there's umbrella. Mm. <laughs> yep, that joke went super well. Uh, stop, look up, look up. I'm fucking comedy gold. You just don't understand me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, uh, Austin. Uh, Austin, do you have anything else that you would like to bit or tid? Um. I mean, I mean, I can complain about like other things that I want news for that there isn't news for. And now we're gonna move on to the ratings. <laughs> we're gonna move on to the ratings, and this is the part where we, as curators of geek information, will try to determine what we think is the most interesting, important, or impactful headline. Uh, from March of 2020. Austin, your hand is raised. Yeah, so uh, the two things I'm gonna think about for our headline, I think should actually be either Animal Crossing or Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, in terms of impact. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, so obviously, uh, Ori looks like a really polished game. I haven't gotten a chance to play it myself because I want to finish the first one before I do. It's um, it's worth doing. Yeah, but uh, it I've, I've seen some footage of gameplay and stuff and it looks super excellent it's got rave reviews and shit uh you know great game mm-hmm. uh will uh has to do well it's just beautiful yes um and animal crossing uh also a beautiful game in its own way but i th- i just feel like i've been seeing i feel like animal crossing is going to be very important for many people yeah i i, I th- just I, i'm honestly i'm inclined to agree with you i i think that if we're talking about like you know a limited experience of playing a video game i think ori and the will of the wisps is one of those like things i'm never going to forget games i'm always going to come back to and i'm always going to tell people to play i yeah. i i think that um animal crossing came at the perfect time uh, and Doom Eternal saw <laughs> Doom Eternal saw a huge uh, boost in sales from the fact that so many people were inside. And the thing is, yeah. for the first few days, Doom Eternal was all, all I saw on like Reddit and social media. But again, as a shooter yeah. campaign, it ends. And Animal Crossing has more of an evergreen quality to yeah, it. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, the thing about Animal and Crossing that, is it's got legs. it's meant it's meant to be played in small bursts on a daily basis. It is a yeah. it is a habitual game. And, but not only these qualities, it also has a strong social aspect to it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which I think is important when so many people are stuck at home. Yeah. Mm. I I, I think that while I personally prefer some of the other topics we talked about to Animal Crossing, I think I agree completely that Animal Crossing 
is it, it was the perfect storm of world events to deliver this game when it happened and even though Ori and Doom sort of took the geek spheres by storm for a bit Animal Crossing is the one that keeps on cruising because that's what it's meant to do and it's doing it <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so in my mind the two I'd be nominating would be Animal Crossing and uh, Star Trek Picard uh, Star yeah. Trek Picard was just I think really good and I really enjoyed that but uh, in terms of larger impact yeah definitely Animal Crossing like Animal yeah. Crossing fans have been uh, just chopping on the bits waiting for this game for like years since the yeah. since New Leaf on the 3DS so shit <laughs> I, I don't yeah. really know it, so, and, it, and it's something where even me someone who doesn't play it and honestly I'm not gonna get Animal Crossing I am plenty occupied in the meantime <laughs> yeah. um but it's something where like seeing people interact over animal crossing makes me happy like it is having <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it's rippling its positivity and i mean as much as i really enjoyed star trek picard you know big sci-fi things have some toxic fandom and that's been not as fun to face even though the show is very good at pushing that aside uh so i i think i share both of your sentiments entirely but i think animal crossing is it that's that is your march 2020 top story and so on on the at burned battlefield atop a pile of bodies that include doomslayer <laughs> picard <laughs> uh, a bunch of Doomslayer, Picard, a bunch of furries, and a bunch of cards. It's Isabel. Yes. Covered in yep. blood. Yes. That's true. Um, all right. Well, hey, uh, that has been uh, one of the longest social interactions I've had in a month. Um, <laughs> it, you, you can you can tell that even even I am experiencing some shifts because I'm I'm fine with being by myself generally. But this is the third day in a row I've recorded a podcast, and I'm like oh man, I could keep going for a bit. Usually I'm exhausted, yeah. but like, it's just been fun. Oh, and this is, a, this is a fun conversation. And I like learning some stuff from you guys, but that has been our episode of the Common Briefing Program. Thank you for listening. My name is Colin and I have been joined by... Austin. <laughs> and... Uh, hi, hi, I'm uh, Kaimul Chowdhury or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Timel Chaudhary. Uh I post Animal Crossing stuff there now, I guess. Uh, and uh, my last words, I might have cracked a few jokes on furries. No, nothing personal. I like you guys. I love you guys. Just not like that. This this is mostly just the process of self-discovery that Chowder has to go through, and we're <laughs> witnessing it in real time. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sonic Colin K. Um, I do this show. I do uh, How You Doing with Laura. And I do Dice Populi with some of my friends. And uh, those are both a lot of fun. You can find this and all that other stuff at commongeekingprogram.com. Uh, this show will be back in two weeks where Jeff hosts another book club episode. I think right now Beastars is the thing that he's entertaining yeah, recording we're gonna about. we're going to be talking about which, Beastars. Which, uh, for the record, that's what I was referring to you when I told you that you didn't know about Beastars yet. That's yeah. I didn't know that this was going to happen today. Ah, I see. Okay. Well, uh, it, I'm glad because it sounded pretty ominous when you were basically saying, I'm going to force you to watch this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll be listening to that episode as a fan. I'll be back with you guys in a month recapping geek news for April. And who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Everything is delayed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so we will, we will see. 
but that said, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you guys in two weeks. Ciao. Toodles. This episode of the Common Briefing Program was hosted by me, as usual, Colin Ketchin, joined by Austin Liebers and Taimul Chowdhury. This episode is sponsored by nobody because everyone's indoors and everything is shut down. But we continue. So uh, the podcast is created and produced by myself and Jeff Levitt with the briefing program actually co-created by Patrick Brem. It was his idea. And we will be back in about, uh, wait, Nope, it has original music and it was edited by me. All that good stuff. Anyway, we will be back in about two weeks with a geeking program about Beastars. And eventually, I'm going to get that Picard episode. So we'll talk to you then. And thank you for listening to this. And thus concludes Austin's <laughs> Card Game Corner, which, card was, game corner. Pre- which was preceded by Chowder's Closeted Furry Corner. I hate it. I hate that as the title of the thing. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the furry footnote. The, fur- the furry footnote. I like that better. Yeah. It, 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 feels, <laughs> it feels less fraught with you know, symptomatic undertones. It's it's more like you're putting it forward as, you know what, fuck it, this is what it is. And I I appreciate that a lot more. But now...